Blessed are we, right, Indeed. who get to gather in the name of the Lord. And not in theory, but in actuality. Right? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So what do y'all think? What's on your mind? Anybody got anything on their mind? such a heightened sense of uh, racism in the world right now, at least in the United States. Well, <clears throat> saying about this this morning, if, if you want to define an aspect of life uh, as uh, loving people and for people and not looking at the race, and if you conversely say part of death is racism, race so love is good and racism is bad, then by the power of the flesh, people try to do away with racism by saying, bad racism, you're a racist. And all you do when you enlist the power of the flesh to produce life, which is love, is more death, which is in this context, more racism. And that's exactly what's going on. It's almost like uh, if you said, uh, oh, uh, you got a fever. Okay, what do we do for a fever? Take a piping hot bath. Yeah, right, exactly. You're going to take a piping hot bath to get rid of the fever. Well, that just raises your body temperature. Yeah. So you, by the, through your own carnal knowledge, you try to produce a result that actually produces, produces the result you're trying to, the effect you're trying to combat. And so that's what's going on right now. You notice, I would say in the last, it's probably since Trump uh, took office, so, Last six, seven, eight years, from there, I don't. Do y'all think that people are talking more and more about racism than ever before? Yeah. Well, I think that's why. And all it, and, and Jesus is the only one that can transcend race and uh, get people to realize that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So the enemy, we're all enemies of death. That means we should all be friends, right? So. I don't people people just don't realize that, and all you have is just echo chamber, either whether it's CNN or Fox, <clears throat> and people just perpetuating hatred in the name of battling hatred. That's all they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, basically, it's any time that you look at other people other than the lens that God looks at us, you know, you have a bad result. Because, I mean, God, God doesn't see race. That's right. He judges people. no man by the flesh. So so what happens is, what you're saying is, what man does is they put the lens of race, you know, either the oppressed or the oppressor, either one, and view life, and, you know, view society that way as producing the opposite result that they think they're going to produce. So anytime you just, it's like two pair of glasses. You put the race glasses on, Going to produce hate, hatred. You produce the God glasses on. Going to produce peace and love. And I mean, what you you know what you're saying is like the only thing in society that ever produced rec racial reconciliation in the United States was probably in schools. Because the reason why is because everybody's on the same team. And if your goal to win is to have the best players, you don't care what color they are. And Vince Lombardi used to say. You know, they ask how you treat, you know, they ask black players, how you treat black players. He says, 
I treat them all the same, like dirt. But no, I, I, in a way, the sense that, um, the sense that they're all on the same team. And so, if we're on the Jesus team, you know, we have the same objectives. So, race. I mean, it doesn't doesn't make a difference. And that's why they're doing that. And I mean, that's 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 a, that's you know, the, you know, the devil doesn't come out in a red cape and ponytail on fire saying by you know. Ooh, I mean, with his his methods appeal to the intellect and appeal to especially smart people or the people with high intellect, saying this is the way you bring love. Yeah. And, 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 and especially high intellects are subject to deception on that. Yeah, people don't realize that the enemy is death. Like he masquerades as an angel of light. So. <coughs> He masquerades as an angel of light. You're more likely to hear the message of the devil from somebody claiming the name of God than you are from somebody that is just not in a camp yet. Right? Which is strange and weird and confusing. Right? But the, the, the easiest way you can get people to trust in their own works is to come and talk about God with, from the perspective of the poison of Acts. Right? The, the message of Satan also comes with the message about God. It's not that his message isn't about God. He comes with the message about God also. Right? I mean, the first thing he comes to Eve with was the message about God. And so he masquerades as an angel of light. Right? He comes with God under his mouth, but his heart is far from God. And then he talks about God in a way. He uses God's name. Right? It's like a copyright infringement or something. I don't know if it's a trademark or a copyright infringement. Right? But he, he, he comes borrowing God's name and God's likeness, but then he speaks about God in a way that is inconsistent with his name and inconsistent with his likeness. And so in the name of God, he gives birth to himself inside of people. And that's one of the reasons why it can be so deceiving. Right? That's one of the reasons why people can be so deceived. They sit in a place where there's a, a, a plaque outside that says, this is the house of the Lord. And then you come into the house of the Lord and you hear the Lord described by the poison of asps, or by the message of the serpent. And then you walk away with the serpent's image, or the image that the serpent painted of God in the earth. And then that gives birth to the serpent's life in people, yeah. right? And so the moment death got it right to get manifested in the earth, humans were going to judge each other after the flesh. Because what happens then is humans were living in the flesh, so to speak, right? They were looking to the strength of the flesh in order to have life. Once that happened, humans were going to judge one another by what they see in the flesh. Not just uh, skin color, but behavior. Right? We judge people's hearts by behavior. You guys ever realize that? We judge people's hearts by their behavior. God don't judge a person's heart by their behavior. God sees into their heart and sees why this behavior is coming out of them. It's the other way around for God. Right? And it's because he understands the dynamic. He understands the dynamic of a vine and a branch. He doesn't confuse the branch for the vine. And so in the day God sees someone with the fruit of death coming out of them, he sees it's on account of them being grafted into a tree that is producing that fruit in them. So his whole idea isn't that we're going to judge their heart by the fruit that's coming out of them. His whole idea is we're going to judge the, the fruit based on what we know about human beings and how fruit is born in them and how they're not the vine, they're the branch, Right? We'd do much better if we looked at each other according to that understanding. A person is a branch, they're not the vine. 
A person is a branch, they're not the vine. That's why Jesus didn't judge people after the fruit he saw in their life. Right? That's not what he did. He didn't condemn them as evil. That's living by the knowledge of good and evil. You see the fruit that is consistent with evil coming out of somebody, and then you judge them based on the fruit you see. Right? Instead of coming with the righteous judgment and seeing that death is the father of the fruit that's in them, not them. Whatever fruit you see coming out of a person, they're not the father of it. They're not the ones who produced it. They're just the ones bearing it. So, if you want, this isn't to say they have no role in the matter, because the role we have in the matter is what tree are we eating from, right? Or whose message are we believing on? What word have we said, yes, that's the only truth? What word have we opened up our heart to, to allow to come and work in our heart? That's the role. But man, God doesn't look at a person and blame them for the fruit. He knows death is the problem. And if evil fruit's coming out of them, he doesn't judge them as evil. He judges death as evil. He doesn't judge them as unjust. He judges death as unjust. And then he starts seeing what could be motivating them, what could be producing this fear in their heart. And immediately God looks on the heart. And so then he says, well, the fruit of death is brought forth by a person being filled with fear. And so if this death is coming out of them, it's because their heart is filled with fear. And so we got to get it right to deliver their heart from fear. And then what will happen is, is they will no longer be a branch bearing the fruit of death because fear will be plucked out of them. But now they can become a branch that's grafted into our life. And now they become a branch that's bearing the fruit of love. Right? One of the greatest things that happened in my life, and it doesn't work perfectly. Sometimes I get angry immediately, and i got to go get it off. But one of the things that transformed my life is when I actually stopped judging people based on the fruit I saw coming out of them. Right? Because I promise you, in the day you're walking with somebody or you're hanging out with somebody, you're just encountering the world, the news, whatever. In the day you see the fruit that's coming out of them is evil or inconsistent with life, you know what it's tempting you to do? To hate them. Yeah. <laughs> and to think that they're the enemy. Them. And then you start dwelling accordingly. Well, hey, well, that's the, that's the foundation for war. Picking up a sword. I remember when this political spectrum, this, this current political dynamic that is, I mean, politics have always existed. People have always argued. But up over the last decade, it's gotten really toxic. I remember I was getting all angry about something that someone was doing a large group of people because I thought it was disrespectful. And all you, you all probably felt some of the same emotions. And all, all of a sudden, as I'm getting all riled up, you know, thinking, we about to, we're going to come against that. You know, we're going to whack that. All of a sudden, God was like, well, Greg, you know they just want to be closed, right? Oh. And I was like, what? <laughs> do you know that, he says, don't you want to be closed? Yeah. He said, do you like it when you feel naked? He said, well, you're judging those people by the fruit instead of seeing in their heart, they're just wanting the same thing you want, which is to be clothed. They also don't like it when they're caught outside naked. And so we tend to judge by the fruit instead of looking at the heart and saying, no, 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 no. These people are just like me. These people want to be clothed. And something has come along and unclothed their nakedness. And they don't know how to handle it, that their nakedness is uncovered. And now they're busy trying to clothe it, right? And so you can begin to see somebody after the heart and see the clothing dynamic instead of seeing the fruit that you think is against all that's good. 
right? That will impact the way you deal with it. And I'm not talking about you need to remember this so you can work it. What I'm saying is you need to be confronted with the truth. And the truth will start working you. And then you'll find the truth dwelling in you and working itself out of you. So when I talk about these things, it isn't so we can go get a chalkboard and make sure we do it right every time. It's so we can be confronted with the eyes of discernment and have that confront our thoughts and start to dwell in us. I mean, I saw it real easy with Jesus and Adam. God continued to build on that. He said, you know, Jesus and Adam were the same. They were both found naked. They both wanted to be clothed. They both didn't like feeling naked. And so we tend to judge people's hearts that we think something evil's coming out of, and we think that they intend for evil. No, do you know what they intend for? To produce life. Right. They intend to clo be clothed. Yeah. That's their intent. Now, we fault anybody for trying to be clothed? No. But we find fault with their manner of going about it, don't we? And then we tear into them. Right? One of the greatest things that can happen in your life with people is to start seeing behind the scenes. Like let the, God, It's like God come and opened up the curtain. Right? And it was like, why don't you take a look behind there and, and tell me what you see going on. Right? What do you see going on there? So Adam wanted to be clothed. Is it evil to want to be clothed? Adam didn't like it when he wasn't clothed. Is it evil to not like it when you, you're not clothed? No. Is it evil to feel fear pressing in on you? No. The part that becomes evil, which just means inconsistent with God, is when you don't mix your desire to be clothed with faith towards God to clothe you. Right? That's when it gets crooked, and that's where the fruit of death gets it right to come out of people. Right? But you'll find yourself feeling compassionate for those that look like your enemy if you start to understand the inner workings of the heart and what's actually going on in those people, right? Is that, that's what Jesus saw on the cross. Do you ever wonder why? Why wasn't this guy angry yeah. with the people nailing him to a tree? Well, I mean, most of the, I mean, we're talking about is probably worse in the church in the sense that in the biblical times, the Jews looked at Gentiles in the same way, a lot of the same dynamics is going on today. We're the Jews, we got it. Y'all are Gentiles, you know, y'all are stars. And, you know, I mean, I mean, think of the temptation of Jesus. I mean, you, you got the Jews who are self-righteous, crucifying him, and not him not dapping them all at that particular time and letting them do it. But it, I think <coughs> Enemy does the same tactics, it just looks different every time. But I mean, even in today's church, when you say there's a plaque, <clears throat> and I, you know, I was switching around TV this morning trying to get football highlights. Mm -hmm. I came across Channel 13, I came across this a preacher who was sitting up there talking about obedience to conduct and that us who obey God are going to go to heaven, and us whose conduct doesn't obey God doesn't. And you know, and I and it sort of hit me at that time. It was that you know what uh, um, we're just talking about was that it. I mean, it's in the church as much as anywhere, which makes it even more of a deception. At least in politics, you know that God's not. It's not a God deal. It's just how to run the government. Yeah. And uh, you know the the 
the the fact is, is we're Christians. We got salvation. And you who don't are heathens going to hell. And that that's as much of what we're saying, you know, and the Christian church doesn't look at, quote, the heathens, as you say, as someone who just wants to clothe themselves. Instead, they say, you don't obey God, you're going to hell, yeah. which is a lot more of a disheartening message to someone because whoever the heathens are, like, I can't obey God the way you want me to. Yeah. I got some kind of issue with me that has overcome me. And so, I mean, that's even more deceptive because it's, as you said, it's done in the house of God. Yeah. And obedience doesn't happen outwardly. I mean, God looks at obedience according to the heart. So if we want to look at obedient conduct, God's idea of conduct is different than our idea of conduct. We look at conduct as an external thing, as a behavior. God looks at conduct as something that happens in the heart. So when God thinks of obedient conduct, he thinks of someone that's allowed themselves to be persuaded that he loves them. Obedience of faith. Right. It's the obedience of the faith. The word faith carries within the root word. The meaning of the root word of faith means to allow someone to persuade you or to allow yourself to be persuaded. And so obedience to God is he come to tell you that you're such a treasure to him that it grieved his heart to think of you dying. So he come and conquered death in the flesh and restored your inheritance to you, which is him in his incorruptible likeness. He come to clothe you, right? And to, to obedience would be for you to allow yourself to be clothed by God. You believe this guy has only come to clothe me, right? And then you start viewing it that way. And so Jesus is on the cross, nailed to the cross. He's thinking he 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 needs to be clothed. What's you know what else he's thinking? These guys need to be clothed also. These guys that are nailing me to a tree, they're also naked. Because nakedness isn't just defined as some outward thing. They were stripped naked. It was symbolic that Jesus was stripped naked. It's speaking of a much deeper spiritual truth. And so Jesus saw these guys are stripped naked also. And these guys, the reason why they're actually nailing me to the tree is because they're filled with fear and they want to be clothed upon. And because they're looking to their own strength to clothe themselves, this is what's happening to them. That's how he looked at it. But Jesus was naked, but he was also thinking, I'm not unclothed. That's right. Because in the heart, he was clothed upon. Right? And the, at, the outward nakedness, which is that manifesting, couldn't uncover his heart because he knew the Father was there to clothe upon him. Right? So the moment you see God there to clothe you, sin or death has no ability to take you captive. Right? His thoughts couldn't be taken captive. That's the 23rd Psalm. That's the 23rd Psalm. That's exactly right. You guys understand that dynamic? Because it's so easy for us when we get stung with something we quote unquote say is evil or not right. It's so easy for us to then jump to making a judgment about the person that reinforces the trauma. Yeah. Right? And will serve to continuously abuse us. Right? Because you're not scapegoating the right thing. And now anger and bitterness and hatred can manifest in your heart towards the person, right? And that can cause you to start trying to clothe yourself with the person, right? That's that's what we see going on in society. And so I know it's delivered me that God takes me to there. Greg, they just want to be clothed. 
why are you so upset? Because you think they're unclosing, uncovering your nakedness. Well, am I there, Greg? Closing upon you? Then when you feel unclothed, don't look at the person that you think is unclothing you, but rather look at the one who can't clothe. Right? And he doesn't judge us by how we get that right, but we want to be confronted with the truth. That's how the truth works in us. When your sight can be healed, you begin to see things according to the knowledge of God. And as you view life according to the knowledge of God, you will find his life manifesting in you. Right? It's like Paul said when I was a child, I thought like a child. So I spoke like a child. But now I'm a man. And I speak like a man. I think like a man. Yeah. 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 That's one of the most powerful and, things in my life. God loved him when he was a child. And he loved him when he was a man. That's right. When people used to complain about how I preached, at first I thought, I suck. Then there was a brief period of time where I thought, no, they suck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being honest. Yeah. Well, you, listen, there's no, the beautiful thing about God is we tend to despise ourselves if we think we didn't get it right. Yeah. He, he doesn't despise us. Like, he gets it, right, how this could happen. But I was still living by the knowledge of good and evil. So the first thing is, is I see this intensity coming out of me. I judged it a long time ago to be evil because people told me and it made sense. That's right. It's evil, right? So then I judged myself as evil. But the more pain you feel at you judging yourself as evil, you're going to end up stopping and you're going to start judging the people that say you're evil as evil, right? And so then you got that dynamic going. The thing God come and plucked it out and he was like, neither one of you is evil. Right? You can only take so much, and then your cup starts running over. Yeah. It's like God was like, do you think you're good because of your intensity? Do you think it's your intensity that justifies you? Then why do you fight to prove that it's good? Why are you fighting to prove your intensity is good? Do you think you're justified by it? Because the, for the first several years, that's what I was fighting to do. So often we fight to be justified by what we see in our life because we still are like a child. We don't quite grab the dynamic yet. We get to the place where we realize we're beautiful to God, and he doesn't judge us after the flesh. Therefore, this stuff isn't evil, right? Well, then we try to prove that it's good. You're still walking after the flesh. Whether you're intense or you're not intense has nothing to do with good or evil. It's got nothing to do with it, right? And coming to the place where you understand that lets your heart off the hook, but then it lets the other people in your life off the hook also. And I promise you, there is great enjoyment in dwelling with people when they're off the hook. When your heart has been set free from self-preservation to the degree that you let the people in your life off the hook, you're able to enjoy life with them, right? And that's a, that's a scary thing for people to let people off the hook. I remember when I, you mean I, I'm going to let them off the hook? That's right. <laughs> and it speaks a subconscious word. It isn't just an intellectual word to their ears. Immediately their heart's like, but that's how we get hurt. Exactly. But that's what it goes on. But that's what it goes on. You know, how are we going to be okay? How are, remember, the, remember the pain we felt back here? And the heart's busy clothing. And the heart's done, the heart clothes itself by putting people on the hook. By blaming people for the negative emotions. That's the heart trying to self-clothe. Right? My heart was trying to make myself feel okay about the pain I felt if people saying I was too intense. And the way my heart went about trying to clothe me was it went about to make them the enemy. Those people, if they just, do you see what, when you're trying to clothe yourself? At the moment, God come and clothed me. It was like, Greg, can you be justified by being intense? 
No. Well, Greg, can you be judged as evil because of intensity? No. And he plucked it out. See, then he came and clothed. And all of a sudden, I was okay with that. It was someone, well, should like, they think I was intense? I like the way you put that. All of a sudden, like, okay. You didn't apply a principle. No. You didn't exercise your will. No. This is a side effect of the life in you. And then it happened. Right. As opposed to, I hope you can go spend some time back there because you brought my car. No, 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 no. You can't do that even if you wanted to. No, you cannot. Like, you can't force it. Because the whole point of narcotics is just to be there. Yep. And I mean, I find because I like order that I can stay in a comfort place of rationalizing. Like if I can rationalize something enough, that I can figure it out. If I can figure it out, I can move on. It's like it's such a natural thing for me to do. So only a natural effect can take place to counteract that. Like it can be something. It's organic. And it, you recognize that it's happening because you're so used to doing it for yourself. Yeah, that's so exactly so right. I that's, think that's fine. That's exactly right. My personality, I hate it probably like that's impulsive, but I am more aware of it. And the reason why you tend it towards control freak is because it's natural to want to be clothed. Right? We're talking spiritual now. It's natural to not want to be naked. And so then our hearts are... That's true. Yes. We were created to be clothed. That's why it can be such a deceiving thing. The moment we feel unclothed, we don't like it, and we're going to look to be clothed, either by ourselves or God. Most of the times when that happens, we're too young to have known the truth, really, right, of what's going on. And God bless our parents. Man, they loved the Lord, but they weren't really taught these things. They were just taught to love the Lord or you're going to burn in hell, yeah. right? And so God bless them that they did love the Lord and they at least pointed to God, but they didn't understand these things. And so that's why you tended towards that. And so just to, to carry that over to what we're talking about, you could look at Callie and thank you for being so transparent. I'm a control freak. Well, you could say that's not right. And you could judge her for being a control freak. Or you could see Callie just wants to be clothed. Callie doesn't like it when she's not clothed. And every time she feels out of control or that things are out of control around her, she feels like her nakedness is being uncovered. Right? She was convinced it's not good for your nakedness to be uncovered. That's why it can be so deceitful. That's true. It's true that it's not good for your nakedness to be uncovered. So we're jiving right with the serpent. Look what's happening. He's the one that's uncovered our nakedness. And then he's like, it's not good to be naked. And we're like, I know. And he's like, well, use your ability. You can clothe yourself. And then that's how we adopt all these things that we've built in our lives. Right? Innocently, we adopted them. Right. We weren't over there in the corner with the cauldron with the devil thinking, yeah, I love the devil. I love what's evil. I love what's bad. Your ability. You yeah. are rewarded 
in this world system according to its judgment of your ability. The strong, the wise, the noble according to the flesh. The world lives by those judgments. And you're absolutely right, but we'd be well served to remember that Callie wasn't over in the corner with the devil purposely having a powwow with the devil. Okay? Right? So all Callie wanted was to be clothed. That's a good thing. But Callie hadn't been confronted with how to be clothed at that time. So she developed this system. Right? Does that make sense? Every single one of us is the exact same way. That we encounter things in this world that uncover our nakedness. And we, it's not good to be naked. And we all agree, yes, that's true. And then we all adopted certain things trying to clothe ourselves. The gospel comes and unwinds that. And the gospel doesn't come and demand that you be unwound on its time. The gospel judges and deals with each heart as a separate heart. And some person might get set free right like that. Boom. Another person might receive eternal life and find joy immediately, but their heart has to be persuaded in other areas. Right? But that's what we're dealing with. And if we come with the right judgment, we wouldn't despise ourselves as much, and we wouldn't despise other people in the day that we feel stressed out, and in the day we find ourselves trying to clothe ourselves. You have eyes to see what's going on, right? It's like, no, no, I know exactly what's going on here, right? And I hear the voice of the good shepherd telling me that he will clothe me, right? All that's going on here is I want to be clothed. Like, that's God interpreted my emotions. And again, I want to keep referring back to this. This isn't so you can go apply this intellectually. I'm confronting you guys with the truth so that your imagination can have that in there and the Holy Spirit can twist on it with you, right? That's why I'm saying it. What was I saying before I said that? I completely lost my train. You just called her. No, I just... <laughs> <laughs> That's what I remember. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what Tommy was saying, what Tommy was saying is, you know, God is truth. He never changes. And I think what Tommy's saying is, we thought this was a coffee truck cup. And we saw it as a coffee cup, and we kept drinking from it, and we get frustrated. Then, you know, things don't work. But if God says doesn't change anything, the only thing he says is, this is an iPhone. Yeah. It's not a coffee cup. And you see it as it is. Nothing changed. No truth changed. Right. It's just our lens saw it differently. Yeah. And that's, and yeah. that's what you're... That's what I'm talking about. Right? You'll discern your emotions. <clears throat> what will start to happen is, see, we would feel, I would feel an emotion. And when I felt the emotion, if it wasn't a positive emotion, right, I immediately made a judgment about it. Right? And I made all types of conclusions about what it meant that I felt this. Well, that took me captive because I didn't understand why I felt it. Right. Well, what God's come and done from the gospel is he's repetitively come and sat with me when I felt these emotions and started telling me what's going on. Greg, you're just wanting to be clothed, bro. Greg, something is trying to uncover your nakedness. So he's put words to it that have described what's happening to me. When you have eyes to see what's actually happening to you, you find that you look to the correct answer, right? Because immediately you know only God can clothe me. Right? Immediately you know what it is you're desiring, and you know what's happening to you. And so immediately you see the God who has provided the solution, the God who come and has swallowed you, the God who is swaddling you, and the God that shall swaddle you. There's that present tense active part- participle Greek, which means past, present, and future. Right? It's always active. And so there's a, this ongoing clothing that happens. 
right, inside of our hearts, a work that he did and a work that he will do when he clothes us in immortality. But now that's lessened the sting of my emotions. Actually, to break it down further, it's not that you see or hear something in the form of judgment. The judgment is already there looking for looking for evidence and support of itself. Yeah. So right. if you flip that around, well, why did that person get so offended by what I said? Well, they already had the judgment in their heart, <laughs> and then they were looking to what you said as evidence of that, yep. and then it's like you said blue and, and they heard seven. It's yeah. like that one has nothing to do with the other, but they've already got a conclusion looking for evidence and support of itself. Yeah. And we've all been sold this uh, this idea that we, we're not good enough. You are good yeah. enough. If you could do this or get that, then you can measure up. Everybody's got that in them. And, and people were, why did you say something about my hair? What's wrong with my hair? <coughs> you know, didn't say anything about your hair. He says it's a Nebraska short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's an easy transition. Sure. <laughs> See, that's, that's what's going on. Uh, yeah, what he said and what she heard, <laughs> and it's like everybody's going through this, and we every think, day in my marriage. Yes. Yeah, we think, like, I could say my husband, he's in it, like, just like that. And then it's, and I'm like, okay, God, there's something wrong. That's not right. You know, I know that. We and were, it's like peeking behind the curtain, like you were saying. We were in the kitchen the other night, and Callie was over, and uh, Lisa didn't roll her eyes, but she just shook her head. And said, well, I, saw, I saw you shake your head just now. <laughs> now, maybe she's shaking her head, equivalent to rolling her eyes. Maybe she wasn't, but I was looking for it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right? God, God, God loves to sit with us, and if you'll sit with God, you'll find him showing you amazing things that will transform your whole life. And I remember, to, to keep building on the judgment, Yeah. I remember when I was sitting there being angry with someone about the intensity thing, that God came and sat next to me and said, the only reason why it bothers you is because you first judged yourself as evil. And if you hadn't made that judgment about yourself, it wouldn't really matter what they do or say. And what he was doing there, see, we can talk about this now because we've been in grace long enough. This isn't some heavy burden that God's judging us for. But what God always come and did to me was, Greg, what's going on in you that you feel hurt? You keep thinking that the hurt you feel is on account of without, right? But Greg, if you didn't first judge intensity as evil, you wouldn't care about them saying you're too intense. And so where did the problem occur? Inside of your heart? Is that where the warfare occurred? Or is it outside of your heart? And then he got me to the place where if you stop looking external long enough, you start getting with God inside of your heart. The, the, the heart can also be described as the Garden of Eden, analogously. The heart is the place where God meets with you, right? And God come to, to keep your heart, to keep the garden. He come to disallow darkness from the garden of your heart. And so the way darkness can creep into your heart is through your own heart, not through other people. And so once he started doing that, he started unwinding the judgment I made about myself being too intense, which causes you to view everybody else through that judgment. And even somebody that might not, I promise you, I've judged some people as saying I was too intense. They probably never said that. <laughs> that that's not really what they were getting at, right? But because that was my judgment already. Oh, I didn't say I'm really passionate. 
Right, but I've already, my ears are hearing it a certain way. The heart is what controls what you hear and what you see, Yeah. right? And God started questioning those things. And I love what Paul said. He said, you know, Paul talked ad nauseum about how his present wasn't very mighty in person. He wasn't a very good orator. He wasn't skilled, right? He wasn't, you know, pleasant to the ears. Line upon line, he goes on for three or four hours. People fall out of the windowsill, fall asleep and die. <laughs> When he preaches, he's not like Peter, who's all like, yeah, hey, hey. you know, he wasn't eloquent like Apollos, but his, his letters, they said, were weighty, powerful. Well, Paul comes to the place where it, that the people that he brought into the faith, that he fathered them in the faith, so to speak, were now claiming other people, right? And, he, and they were claiming other people because they were judging him negatively. And he come and said, it matters not to me if you judge me, yea. I judge not my own self. And that's a powerful, powerful thing. When you relinquish, and you don't do it, God doesn't tell you, relinquish it. Relinquish it. He comes and works his goodness in your sight so much that you end up giving your heart over to him. Right? But what will happen is, if you your heart will be delivered from all your judgments. Right? Your judgments that you made as you walk through life are what's causing you pain, right? And God come to supplant your judgments with his judgments, right? With his judgment about your life. And then you begin living by that. And these other judgments that can come, they don't sting as much because in order for it to really sting, it's got to connect with something in your heart. Yeah. If it doesn't mean anything to you, then you're like, so what? That's just what they're doing. It must... Suck for them. <laughs> you end up just feeling like that. Instead of like this great barrage that's coming over you, you no longer feel bombarded. You just think, boy, that's not a nice life for them. But someone comes up to you and tells them, man, you're a mailbox. Mailbox? Okay. Has no effect on you. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. No. Unless you were like this little squat study kid they called you mailbox. Yeah. In grammar school, and now you, oh, he's calling me. Mailbox. Exactly. <laughs> One of the things that brings me great joy is that we have these conversations. And we talked about it Wednesday night about recognizing what the trigger is and, and then being persuaded on how to respond to that trigger. I mean, 10 years ago, we had this conversation that would have been, right? And even if we'd, we'd never found grace, we would be in that point of judging ourselves and judging others because of lack of knowledge of what God really wants in our lives. So I rejoice that we have these kind of conversations yeah. and we get to be able to, to recognize who we are and who God is and how he works in our lives. That's an awesome thing. And, and how things in this world speak to us. Yes. As part of knowing right. the voice of the stranger and knowing the voice of the good shepherd. And I, want, I say all this with apprehension because I understand the tendency of some people to be to listen to what I say and then try to apply it or work it, right? But to, to Doug's point, we're not talking about something you need to try to sort out yourself. What we're doing is we're putting something in front of you for, so you could see what it really is. Because if you could see, like he said, I can't remember the exact words, but if you could see it's not a coffee cup, but it's a bottle of Coke, you'll start interacting with it differently. And if you could start having eyes to see your emotions and what you feel, and your ears popped open to hear yes. what's going on there accurately, the way you interact in those situations will change. Yeah. 
And so it's just about being confronted with the truth and then engaging with God in each other according to the truth. Because mm -hmm. then we can start encouraging each other, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Someone could come along. It's like God come alongside of me and told me all that stuff. I wish I would have had someone that could come alongside and told me all that. But now I can come alongside other people and I can tell them. I can come and say, listen, God's done this magnificent thing where he's discerned my heart for me. And he's discerned the whole world for me. Man, let me tell you his discernment. Because I'm just like you. We're common. There's a temptation common to humans. There's a judgment that's common to humans. And we, we judge after what we feel. And we judge according to life and death. And there's a way to interpret all that. And man, it will set you free. Amen. Right? And then I can come alongside and talk about that. People can engage with it. But what about this? Right? And they can plop it out on the table. And then we can keep putting the gospel and discern it. Right? And it isn't. Well, some people will get delivered like that. I've seen it. Other times, people have felt maybe more pain, and they've become more guarded. And it takes a couple of times to come poking, 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 right, to where they, they, they start considering, right, what's going on. Yeah. And then it starts putting, bringing forth rest in you. It starts bringing forth rest in you when you understand what's going on, right? When you feel stressed out or fear, and you immediately know what's going on, right? And you, you don't come with all your judgments because you know what the judgment is, right? <laughs> and then you start talking with God. And then you find yourself filled with abundance, right? And then you can enjoy people, yeah. right? I like um, to add to that being what's making me feel naked because when I've been getting frustrated or irritated or whatever, um, I've just been sitting down with the Lord and say, Lord, what, what am I lacking? What's going on here? It has, it's made me look internally that it's me, not the other person. Yeah. You know? So this, um, this, my husband's organization, it's his organization. He can find ways. My organization is a lot different. <laughs> <laughs> Because the, the presence of the trigger is not actually the worst thing. Right. No. It's how we deal with the trigger when it happens yeah. that becomes the worst thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so this isn't even about how, listen, especially with husbands and wives, you could end up both being triggered for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right? In that area. Um, but what will happen is, is it won't blow up. Right? Yeah. You can start counting it as funny. Enjoyable, <laughs> right? Where the next time the organization bothers you, you're just laughing about it. What are you gonna do, Lord? You, know? I mean, you just you realize why why I'm feeling. I know with Becky and I, man. I mean, what's gotten better is us not judging each other. Yeah. But there's still times where I do things that I guarantee you make her crazy. <laughs> you know, but 
it comes with like a grain of salt. Is that like the, the, the am I using yeah, the term yeah, accurately yeah, where you're yeah. just kind of like, I know I feel this, but I don't have to judge it the yeah. way I used to judge it. Yeah. I can judge it. The judgment's shrunk yeah. and it's just okay. Right. And so I, I've, I found that with Becky and I a lot the last few years where it keeps growing. Where before when she would do something and I would get so hurt and offended, now I'm just like, that's, that's what you're going to do? What are you going to do? I walk away. What are you, you going to do? It is what it is. Right? And then it just, what's funny is it goes away. Like it doesn't camp out and destroy your life. Right? Because you didn't make some heavy judgment about it. It's the judgment that makes it so heavy. And then you, you make a, a judgment that it's neither here nor there. It just is what it is, right? And then what happens is, is the cloud goes away. It comes and it goes. A storm cloud comes and it goes. I know we had that one hurricane like four years ago where it seemed like it, the low pressure system just made it stay there forever, right? right? But a storm doesn't just stay there forever, right? It, it, why does it, it comes to pass? It's coming actually to pass. Well, we make judgments about the storm that make it like camp out there. For like a real long time. And the Lord will set you free from those type of judgments and allow the storm to do what it does, which is why does it come? It comes to pass. That's what the guy who ordained Becky and I used to say. One of his big deals was throw yourself apart. And every time he lived through hell, he threw himself a party. Right? One of his things he used to say about the storms of life. Why does it come? It comes to pass. <laughs> <laughs> And he was just a simple farmer. So these simple things made sense to him. Me, I'm more complex and complicated. I'm like, I, I require a little bit more of an explanation. But it's true. That's what will happen, right? Where because you, you end up understanding what's happening to you, and you understand what's the source of it, you can even laugh at the other one, right? The things that Becky might have used to do that make would trigger me, and we might have a fight. Now I laugh about it. And I just laugh. And I actually think it's cute. I actually got to the point, oh, isn't that cute? <laughs> right? And then that starts a whole different Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> no, but that's, listen, so don't, it's, it's not like we're trying to get to the place where you'll never get triggered ever again by anything, but your judgment about it when it comes changes. Yes. And that inserts peace into the dynamic, Right. right. That's what happens. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Exactly. But you know, you're saying about the judgment, because it's so like thick and three dimensional. Because, like, you know, a lot of times I'm thinking when you're talking, you know, you get free today, and then your mind starts saying, well, gee, if I knew this 20 years ago, maybe my kid would not be like this. Or maybe, you know, things would have turned out different. And, and that's so, the voice of the devil. I know. I, I, know. I mean, but it's like it's relentless. That's it. But you start to learn. See how it didn't take me but a half a second to know the voice of the devil. Yeah. And so you start having ears to hear what the voice of the devil sounds like. See, that's back to if I would get it right, I could have closed my kids. No, God's the only one who could close your kids. Yeah. You being the perfect mom and dad cannot close your kids. You getting it right for your kids, we all want to get it right. Okay, so we'll just take that as a given. But you getting it right for your kids can't close them. You getting it right for your kids can't keep the world from them. You getting it right for your kids cannot protect their heart. It can't. And so immediately when that voice comes, the gospel, that's how the gospel persuades you, that don't come from God. 
That's not the wisdom that cometh from above. It's not the wisdom that engenders the peace. In fact, immediately I feel angst because immediately I'm thinking of the different things I should have done in the past. And if only I had done it that way, then I could have had life. No, you could never do it in a way to clothe yourself with life. What I'm talking about is what happens to you after you see God clothing you. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Him coming and discerning the heart is him clothing you. And so we're talking about the result of being clothed upon. And you figuring out what's going on in your heart is not the power to clothe you. I feel like you know, every time you come into my thoughts like this, that's when I manipulate that I'm not, like God is not the problem. Like I've, I feel like time and like carnal thinking are kind of intertwined. Because it's like if I'm thinking about the past, about what I could have done differently, I'm stressing about the future, like what I need to do to get outside of time, you know, and his presence is when we're fellowshipping with him, then past or future really, you know, is irrelevant. Yeah. I don't think you're doing it. Wait, what book was talking about this? Yeah. That's the voice of, yeah, that, that's another way your heart knows the voice of the stranger, <laughs> right? Right. Absolutely. Because eternal life is not in the past. And it's not in the future. It's in the past, present, and future. It, or eternal life just is. And so, yeah, if you're dwelling in one outside of the other, then... then and that's what people, I mean, you see this focus on mindfulness and being present. And a lot of times this is, like, through a carnal lens as yeah. far as, like, how people consume this. But, if, like, true experience of, like, eternal... I mean, it makes sense why people want that. Because we are created to experience that, but just not outside of God. Eternal life is not found in avoiding being hurt. Eternal life is not found in avoiding being hurt. Uh, day, Jesus on the cross. <laughs> well, that, that's what the, the, the stranger will always try to come in and insert his thinking with any word of truth. Because if he can insert his way of thinking with the word that's even true, the whole thing becomes corrupted. Right? And so... The, the, the heart can think eternal life is found in being hurt. So then you can come and hear about how your sight can be healed, and you can start thinking about if only my sight had been healed back then, and I could have avoided all that hurt. Well, well, that couldn't have given you eternal life, right? And so many times we, we count our hurt as evil because we know we were never created for life, but we're not thinking of the hurt through the lens of eternal life. Horrible things happened to me in my life. They did. Do I regret them happening? Do I wish I could go back and change them all? No. No. I'm not living like that. Because I'm noticing that eternal life produced something beautiful in me. And nothing could keep eternal life from producing this beautiful thing in me. And nothing could dissuade it. So I don't need to go back and look and say, I wish my life could. Why? I have eternal life. Right? And so we, we ought to remember that. Eternal life is not found in going back and doing things the right way. So it's not like, well, if only I had known this 20 years ago, then I could have had something that I didn't have. No, if you have eternal life, you have everything. Yes. And that's what you always want to default back to, right? That voice of regret, if only I'd have known this then. That's the voice of the serpent coming 
to try to pluck out the seed that's been sown in you, which is the whole point of everything we're talking about, isn't so we can think of all the different ways we can get it right now and we can have life. It's for us to be confronted with what the voice of God sounds like and what the voice of the stranger sounds like and what is behind those voices. Yeah. That's just called discernment 101, right? So we're not trying to, to give you some special psychology wisdom that you could now apply to your life so you could have eternal life or so that you could think about if only you would apply it before you could have eternal life. That's not what we're talking about, right? But we want to have our ears understanding the devices of the serpent and how he tries to uncover nakedness, right? Yeah. And what he points to, because that gives us eyes to see. Jesus understood, but he still understood that life is found in looking to the Father. He, he didn't say, well, if I could avoid you know, offense, then that will be unto eternal life. He, he didn't say that. He didn't say, if I could avoid these things, then it could be unto eternal life. No, he first sat with eternal life is only found in the Bible, right? And he first sat with that the, the, the death that's in the world and the wisdom of the serpent. He understood those two things, and that discerned everything for him. Now we're just talking about some of the discernment so we can have some of our false conclusions at least confronted, right? So we can, Jesus said he came to, to bring a sword. That's what we want to do. We want to bring a sword and divide in our midst that which is carnal and that which is spiritual so we can begin to understand the voices that we hear. Par paraphrasing in, in my mind what you're saying, what, what I would say is what do I think I could have gained that I think I'm lacking right now? Yeah, that's a great way. And that's something God might say. Who told you you were naked? God loves to come with questions. Character's logical conclusion. Okay. You know, um, I was thinking, uh, I'm a visual person, but I used to, when I was law school, I'd walk down the hall with both people at Arlene Starr's prison, and you look at your cells, and you made judgments about what they were. If you could walk down there and see a sign on their forehead saying, all I'm trying to be is clothed. Your whole outlook, the judgments toward them would be 100% different. Yep. And, that, and that's what I think you're saying. And yep. I was thinking about when you're talking modern secular psychology, is the total opposite of what God tells us. Because what is, does a secular psychologist do? What happens in childhood? Let's relive the hurt. And in and, and, and an attempt to get rid of it, rather than, you know, maybe a Christian, I would say counselor or pastor would say, yeah, yeah. that, you know, God has redeemed that for the future. Yeah. Yeah. No, God, yeah, exactly. God will discern. It'll come and tell you, right? That's the voice of the stranger. Listen, when we find ourselves trapped in a cycle of something we don't like, it's because we haven't discerned the voice of the stranger in an area. We still think that voice makes sense, right? Like, we still think there's some truth in that voice, right? And that's why it's still able to move us sometimes. Right. There's still, there's still some places. Right? Listen, I've been in grace for a long time, since 96, when we started the church. And once people started telling me I was too intense and all that, I mean, I, honestly, I've probably spent about two years in the cycle of I suck and then no, they suck. There was about two years in that cycle. I'd already been in grace. And like God had to come and sit with me and discern my heart, 
right? It's a beautiful thing. The whole process is a beautiful thing. Eternal life redeems everything. Well, what will happen is, is your, your memory of things are also no longer filled with lack. Because eternal life discerns your memories. And you count whatever you thought you lost in the past as gain. Which is a spiritual, the spirit, only the spiritual mind can do that. But all the ways you used to think of all that you lost in the past, you start counting that as gain. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? And you, you start living in a different way where you no longer think of loss. Because eternal life does not consider things in the realm of loss. Eternal life considers things in the realm of whatever it is you think you lost in the world, man, count it as all joy because you gained eternal life. And so it permeates your thoughts about everything, right? And so I don't look back and regret anything. And I used to all the time. I used to have dreams, like recurring dreams, like 12 times a year where I was back in high school and I was playing basketball because as a little boy, man, I could play basketball. I averaged like 40-something points a game in the SYBA league. It's still a record today. And so I had all this attention for playing basketball. Well, then I went off and started getting high all the time. And you know what? I started getting high before practice. I was high at tryouts. And so I was just high all the time. And you know, you're supposed to be a basketball prodigy, but now you're getting high all the time. So your skill set starts falling off. Then you quit because you'd rather get high than play basketball. And then, you know, somebody comes along and convinces you to play basketball your senior year. Well, you're still filled with the mind of regret and the karma mind. And so you're still thinking, if I could just get it right this one year, that'll change everything yeah. and I'll feel okay on the inside. And so we bow to bow to ourselves. You ever bow to bow to yourself? Oh, now, let me tell you what, your vows are dumb. I'm so sorry. They're worthless. The only guy's vow that matters is God. That's right. And he bowed a vow towards you. But we got together and bowed a vow to each other. It's our senior year. Let's see what we can do. So we ain't getting hot during the season. That lasted one game. And not even a whole game. It lasted what's called the Jamboree, which is only a quarter. <laughs> right? So we, we, we played a quarter of that year sober. <laughs> and then that was it. Right? Well, so I would dream all the time of what could have been. If only I would have not gotten high. My ability could have been seen. It could have manifested. You know, those dreams stopped like about six years ago. Wow. And I never had, I don't, I've never had another one. And all I can say is that through just gathering and talking about eternal life and God discerning our hearts and confronting our eyesight, eternal life starts working in every aspect of your life. Amen. It starts infect, it starts infecting, affecting your thoughts, it, infiltrating. infiltrating your thoughts, and it starts confronting the voice of the stranger on your behalf. And you start to, oh. That's what that is. So instead of just feeling a horrible emotion, like immediately my heart tells me, that's the voice of the stranger. And I know exactly what he's trying to do. Right? And I see it clearly. And now I'm going to go off and get with God. Or if Becky's there, her and I are going to go off and get with God. Right? One of the most powerful things concerning this that you said a long time ago, I heard, it just to me it puts it um on you know like you said pops it out just shows exactly what's going on you was talking about like somebody cut you off you know and you know in traffic and immediately you were going to get mad at them for whatever judgment even if you don't know it's judgment you could they coming against you but if they raise their hand which means sorry immediately you're cool with it. Yep. 
You know what I'm saying? And so that it just for some reason that just it put it right there. It's like wow. You might not understand why you're doing it or why you're getting so upset, but it's the judgment, whatever it is. Because as soon as they do that, you're like, all right, cool. <laughs> and you're back. It's like right there. Yeah. No, that's that that's a great example. And I'll I'll finish up with this, and then I have to shut go and get the the music going. Um, but. You don't want to despise yourself if you find yourself in a place where you feel triggered sometimes. The first thing God come and did to me, because you'll start despising yourself for feeling so upset sure. about yeah. being intense. Yeah. I go to, the, that's where I was. Yeah. And the, the, God, Greg, is it okay that you feel triggered? Is it okay? And at first, no. No. <laughs> but as we kept meeting in the secret place in my heart, he convinced me. That it was okay that I felt triggered because I became aware there he is, right? There he is to clothe. And so you'll start seeing God present in the moment that you're triggered. And your judgment about that feeling becomes real shrunk, right? Because I promise you, I'm, I'm explaining the inner workings of the heart. When we feel triggered, the subconscious heart tells us God ain't there, right? And that's why you feel triggered. What you need for life ain't there. That's why you feel triggered. Well, what happens is God keeps coming to meet with you in the secret place of your heart to keep the darkness from the garden of your heart. And you start getting eyes to see God with you there in the midst of your trigger. And then you see him clothing you. Your heart actually starts to have eyes to see like he came and clothed Adam. Right? You see him there stretching forth towards you to clothe you. Right? I, I don't, like, this ain't about trying to not get triggered. This, this, yeah. And that's what Paul said. Oh, there you go. So that's when you feel that, it's not like, oh, my life is ending. But God. Yeah. But God. Paul said we have this treasure in earthen vessels that we might be reminded all of the time that the excellency is of God and not of ourselves. So even in those triggers, you're absolutely right. Eternal life would say this weakness is not a negative thing. It's just pointing to, I need a father. I need someone to father like to me. And oh, hallelujah, I happen to know a guy like that. And I happen to see that guy's here with me. Right? So the trigger becomes, the ends become softened. It gets used by God. Yeah. Well, can I ask one quick question? When you get triggered, my mouth, or when I get triggered, my mouth just wants to go in. And 99.9% times I know up here, don't say nothing. But like every once in a while, my mouth does. And then I hate myself for doing that. Your head telling you. Because I know they're innocent. Your head telling you don't do that is not the power to set you free. Yeah. Right? Right. And so I would just start talking with God about the hurt you still feel. And just engage with God. Okay. And don't judge yourself by whether you say yeah. something or not. You might say something sometimes. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. And then you might not. And hey, you that's all a still good be thought. All, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It's like, like Pat 